Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Y'all can be seated. Good to see you. It's great to be in Orlando on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Come on, let's put our hands together for the fathers, those watching online. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's so good to be in Orlando. I love this community and so many of the team here. Pastor Keith's looking good. He's got a flow going with his hair and his goatee. I like it, man. I wish he was here. I miss him today. And then, of course, Danira and all of the team and, and, and Nate and, and Lindsay. Some of the team here I've been friends with a lot of years. I've probably known uh, Lindsay for 15 years, it seems like. I probably met her when, there she is, when she's like 12. There's Jeremy. Love y'all. It's so good to be with y'all. So, um, you know, uh, when we think about the Lord, what comes to our mind? What's one of the first things that comes to mind? You know, A.W. Tozer said this, what, what you think about when you think about the Lord is one of the most important things about you. So why don't you just close your eyes for just a moment? Let's all just close our eyes. When you think about the Lord, what comes to mind? Do you see a loving father smiling with his arms open? Uh, Or do you see a a Lord who's more distant or harsh or uh, impersonal? How do you see the Lord? We're going to talk this morning a little bit about the goodness of God. And let's, let's say a prayer together. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for uh, your love for us. And we open our hearts to receive from you today our prayers that would leave our time together today. Changed, God, and closer to you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, I hope that you, when you close your eyes there, I hope that you saw the Lord as a loving father who loves you more than you can ever imagine. Uh, we're in this uh, psalm series. This song, you know, this, of course, the psalms are, were sung. They were songs. And uh, lots of psalms, several psalms, talk about the goodness of God. There's, it's a theme that runs throughout the psalms, the goodness of God. And uh, that's what I want to talk to you today about, the goodness of God. Jesus, there's only... One place in the New Testament where the Lord describes his own heart. It's in Matthew 11, and Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart. That's how the Lord Jesus described his heart as humble and gentle. And so... That's the heart of the Lord that we serve. He's not against us. He's not cold or distant. He's humble, and he he longs for us to come to him and find rest for our souls. Psalm 33, 5 says this, The earth is full of the goodness of God. The earth is full of the goodness of God. A theme throughout all of the Psalms. Psalm 31 Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you. The goodness of God endures continually, the scripture says. 
The goodness of God endures continually. You crown your year with goodness and your paths drip with abundance. Surely, come on, y'all. Surely goodness shall follow me all the days. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. An attribute of the Lord that sometimes we might forget, but we need to be reminded, especially here on Father's Day in Orlando in this museum. Amen. I like this venue. It's kind of cool. I, I have done mobile church in the ministry. I've been in the ministry for 25 years, and I've done um, mobile church for 10 of them. So I'm very familiar with museums and libraries and schools and every, all manner of buildings that you can do church in. So uh, sometimes these environments are some of the best places to have community in the Lord. Amen? And so the goodness of God. The scripture says the earth is full of the goodness of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 33 or your phones. Uh, It'll be on the scriptures if you don't have that. In this passage, you might be familiar with it, but Moses meets with God and Moses says, show me your glory. But the Lord answers. He says, hide yourself in the cleft of a rock and I'll pass over you and I'll cover you with my hand. You can't see my face. You'll only see my backside. No man can see my face and live. And then he says, Exodus 33, 19, the Lord says this, I will make all my anger and wrath and fury pass before you. Is that what he says? My holiness, my majesty. He says, I will make all my goodness of all the ways the Lord could have described himself. He said, I'll make my goodness pass before you and proclaim the name of the Lord to you. If you read that chapter, it reads like the Lord's goodness is so powerful. It's so overwhelming that Moses couldn't look upon it. That's the goodness of God. It's overwhelming. It's unfathomable. His goodness is so grand and great. Moses couldn't even look upon it. Think how the Lord describes himself. He said, all of my goodness is going to pass before you. The scripture says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift comes from him. Amen. And so in your Bibles, in the next chapter over in Exodus 34, there's a passage, and in the Scriptures, the the authors of Scripture often quote Scripture. In fact, this passage, Exodus 34, 6, would be the most quoted Scripture by biblical authors. And so Exodus 34, 6, it says this, The Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding with what? Actually, you're going to mess up my sermon. (laughs) Abounding with goodness. (laughs) With goodness and truth. 
So in the Bible, in the New Testament, the place where the Lord describes his heart, you say, what's the heart? What's God's heart like? Jesus said, I'm gentle and lowly. I'm humble and meek. That's how Jesus described his heart, humble. And then in the Old Testament, how does God describe himself? He says, I am merciful and gracious and long-suffering. I'm abounding, overflowing with what? Goodness and truth. That's the heart of the Father. And so the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, the Scripture says. He says his goodness is passing by Moses. And many times we get so busy in life, we live in a culture that certainly isn't moving towards the Lord Jesus, and we can be distracted by lies of the enemy that keep us from seeing the goodness of God. And the next few minutes, I want to give you some lies that keep us from seeing the goodness of God. Because the, the scripture says the thief comes to do what? Still kill and destroy. I'm on, I know Pastor Keith Church knows the Bible. Come on, y'all. And John 8 says that we have an enemy who's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. And so five lies, if you're taking notes, five lies that distract us from the goodness of God. The first lie is this. My life should be easy and fair. My life should be easy and fair. In other words, if I do the right thing, God will protect me from pain and suffering. And sometimes we think that God is like a formula. And if we do this, God will always do that. I have learned that God is not a formula and life is not a formula. Walking with God is a relationship. Certainly, the principle of sowing and reaping, not just financially, but sowing and reaping, I have found is one of the strongest principles that you can live by in life. Whatsoever a man soweth, he shall also reap. When you sow mercy, you get mercy. When you sow love, you get love. Sowing and reaping works, it's very powerful. Right? However, life is not a formula. And sometimes if we think that life is going to always be easy and fair, and how many of you know that could be a mantra of our culture? Life should be easy and fair. And Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He said this, in this world you're going to have trouble. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so I like how Peter says it. Uh, sometimes the King James Version, you know, you grow up reading that sometimes, and the King James Version says this, think it not strange. Come on, say, think it not strange. Peter says, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as some strange thing is happening to you. And so we face adversity, and our thought is this. This is so strange. I can't believe. You get on the phone. Can you, I cannot believe this is happening. 
Can you? I'm just shocked. It's so crazy and strange that I'm, I'm experiencing adversity. And Peter says this, don't think it's strange when you're, when you're going through a fiery trial as some strange things is happening to you. Sometimes we're just shocked that God would allow us to have some adversity in our lives. Revelation says this, to him who overcomes, I'll give the choice manna. To him who overcomes, I'll be, put a robe on. These promises to him, listen, there's gonna, if, if he's promising rewards to those who overcome, we're going to have to be what? Overcomers. And so the truth is life can be hard, but God is good. The truth is we can expect problems, but we can expect power. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble, but do what? Cheer up. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We can have the right expectations, and we can face adversity and freedom with the power of Jesus. Amen? Let's talk about fairness. We love fairness, don't we? And that's a good thing. Uh, Unfairness is hard to accept. I don't like unfairness. How about you? In fact, I hate it when I see unfairness in our culture, society. And we have this internal code of what's wrong and right, and we don't like to see it violated. The truth is none of us will escape life's unfairness. And we can live as a victim and choose to accept it. Accept that life's not fair. We don't have to like it, but we know that life is not fair. How about a comparison? The, Lord, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. His goodness is passing by, because, but we can't see it but because we think that life is going to be easy and fair. We think that everything's going to be fair, and then what makes it much worse is social media. I have a son, he's 21. The other day, he was like, Dad, I... I wish I didn't grow up with social media. It's hard to get my son to say much about his feelings. (laughs) And so, but I know what he meant. He meant that, you know, he's scrolling through Instagram and it's this temptation to compare your life with someone else's. I wrote this down. Comparison is the core of carnality. And I'm thankful that half my, most of my life I grew up without Social media, I remember buying my first cell phone. I remember all of that. But it, it's easy to compare, and we miss the goodness of God in our own life because the Lord has called each of us to an assignment, each of us to a place that's very different than someone else's. And so you're at work, and you're scrolling through Instagram, and you're like, man, he's in the Bahamas. I'm at work, man, this sucks. I don't want to, I mean, my life is bad right now. You know, I wish I could be on a cruise. I wish I could be in, Atlanta, in Atlantis today. You know, you just lost all the joy. God's goodness is all over your life, but you can't see it because you wish you were <laughs> in Bermuda. Come on, somebody. It's the core of carnality. We all have uh, FOMO. I always tell this to my, my daughter's 19. Fear of missing out. 
right? Used to, it was nice when you didn't know what anyone else was doing, right? Those were good times. Now we know what everybody else is doing while we're at work, you know? Never compare your God-given assignment to someone else's. The Lord has a place for you. That's your place, friend. That's my place. It's not someone else's. That's where our fulfillment and that's where his goodness is going to rest on our lives. Amen? The scripture says this, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret of him who prospers in his way. The truth is we're all on our own journey. The truth is we have a perfect heavenly father that knows exactly what he's doing to accomplish his purposes in our lives. If you don't remember anything else I'm saying this morning, remember this on Father's Day. (laughs) God is fathering you. God is fathering you. He is a perfect heavenly father. That's his goodness. The second lie that distracts us from the goodness of God is a religious lie. Religious lies can be the most dangerous because if you believe a religious lie, it affects your spiritual health. That lie says this, I am only as good as what I do or accomplish. God's goodness is passing you by. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, but you're bound up in this lie that says you are only as good as what you do or what you accomplish. Maybe you were raised in a home and your value was what you could accomplish in school, who you married, what you do for a living, what you can buy, how much you have, the trophies you can accumulate. And if you believe that lie regarding your identity, you miss out on the goodness of God for you. I believe my worth is determined by my performance. When we believe this lie, we always feel in our hearts like we have something to prove. If you carry this idea that you always have something to prove, the problem is it's just never enough. The problem is it's just never quite enough. That, once you get that goal, you're going to want the next one. And listen, we want to set goals. We want to achieve for sure. We want to have accomplishments in our life. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we think that that's going to give us lasting fulfillment and happiness, we've believed a lie. And we're missing out on the goodness that the Lord has for us. King Solomon was the most successful human that's probably ever lived. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He would be like a... Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos today, where they have more money than they could ever possibly spend in a lifetime. And so he says this in Ecclesiastes, it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The last verse of Ecclesiastes. Let us hear the conclusion. Remember remember Ecclesiastes where King Solomon says this, whatever my heart desired, that's what I did. Wow. Wow. 
He, whatever, whatever his heart desired, he did. Homes, gardens, servants, ships, you name it. There was no uh, armies conquering. He had it all. And, he, and at the end of his letter, he says this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. I like the King James Version says, for this is the duty of man. And then it says, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret, secret thing, whether good or evil. What is he saying? He's saying, I, and he says, I have had everything that my heart could wish, but he says what? It's vanity. He says, it's vanity. It's meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher. It's meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Jesus said, your life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a little while, and then it vanishes away. We're talking about finding the true meaning of life. I was in California last week. I got to go to California. It's so beautiful out there. So different than Florida. Amen. <laughs> I got the mountains. I got the ocean. And I was at this retreat, and it was so nice, and the, the design of the place with the windows and the mountains. And I, I thought to myself, if I could, if my if I could wake up and drink coffee and look at these mountains and this ocean every day, I think I would be a percentage happiness, happier. I think I'd probably be 25% happier. <laughs> but you know what? It wouldn't last. Because, you know, I'd be looking at that mountain and I'd be thinking, man, I, I wish I had this and that. And I wish I could see that. And it would be fleeting, isn't it? It's like chasing the wind. And so I got a good word for some fathers today. Come on, dads. True masculinity is not found in your achievements. Come on, let me take some pressure off some dads today. True masculinity is not found in your, in your achievements. True masculinity is based on how much you love. True masculinity, come on, y'all can put your hands together. True masculinity is based in your love your wisdom, and your character. True masculinity is not achievements. It's your love, your wisdom, and your character. At the end of the day, that's how you want to be remembered. I'm telling you, all of our achievements, and we want to achieve. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, it's not going to matter, friend. They're going to remember. I've done a lot of funerals. I've done a lot of weddings. And I can tell you, what, what do you think people are going to remember? The, the type of man you were, the type, of how, the, the type of life you live. How do you want to be remembered? Wisdom, character, love. No one can take those things away from you, friend. You don't have control of a lot. You got control of those things. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching in the museum now. <laughs> Another way to frame up this lie is this. I have to earn God's love. I have to, you know, it's funny. If, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning and you've been born again into his kingdom, you know that you can't earn it, right? That's how we come to Jesus is we surrender our lives 
and we know that he paid the price for all of our sins on the cross, we receive it by faith, and we're new creations in Christ. Amen? And we know there's nothing in ourselves. All we, all we do is believe. We repent, we believe, and we, we follow Jesus, right? That's how we're born again. There's nothing in ourselves. We can't do that. We can't earn it. But then what something happens is we try to earn God's love and favor in our lives. And if you're not careful, you say this, if I just would read more, if I would give more, if I would pray more, if I would serve more, if I was kinder, if I cared about the poor more, then God would love me. And what happens is how can you tell if you're going down this, this slope, this, this path of a performance? You start to lose your joy. I'll tell you this, when I got saved as a 21-year-old college student 30 years ago, you know what I felt more than anything else? Love and freedom. Love and freedom in my life. I felt like I can be the Chris that God created me to be. I don't have to impress all of these people. I can be who God may be. And it, it filled my life with joy and freedom. But then I'm not careful. I start to carry these burdens of performance in trying to earn God's love. And, I, and if I'm not careful, I start to miss his goodness. The scripture says this in Galatians. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the freedom or the liberty which Christ has made you free, and don't be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Don't go back Stand fast in that freedom. Don't be entangled in a yoke of bondage. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. He's the lifter of your head. He breaks off the yoke of trying to please man. Paul said this. He said, "How can I, if I seek to please men, how can I be a servant of Christ? Do I seek to please men or God? And when you, when you get that revelation in your heart, man, you're free. And don't let performance and trying to earn his love creep into your life. How do you know? You start to lose the joy of your salvation. You start to lose the joy. The joy of the Lord, your strength. Come on, the third lie that distracts us from the goodness of God. If you're with me, say amen. The third lie is this. I want it now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to have to wait for God. I don't want to have to wait for what I want. Can you see how the culture that we live in is bombarding us with lies? Yeah, the culture. It's not, listen, this is what I learned about culture. Culture is like a tent that we live in. There's things about culture that glorify the Lord. There's things about culture that don't glorify the Lord and there's, that are wicked, and there's things that are just neutral. Culture is just where you live. It changes. All over the earth, throughout time, culture changes. And certainly, not all of our culture is moving us towards the Lord Jesus. Can I have an amen? And so that's why we have to rightly discern how to follow the Lord as we live in Babylon until heaven comes to earth. And so this lie says this, I want it now. 
How many of you know God's delays are not always his denials? And this idea of delayed gratification, it seems to decrease in America every generation. Come on, I just said a lot right there. This idea of delayed gratification. I, my wife, Ashley, I didn't get to introduce her. Say, she, hey, Ashley. We married 27 years, 28, 27. I better be quiet. Okay. So her granddad, we're from Louisiana. Her granddad bought his house with the GI Bill and lived there his whole life. He never had a mortgage. Come on, man. That'd be nice. Wouldn't it? I mean, how can you even buy a home in Orlando? Come on, y'all. It's getting ridiculous. Can I have an amen? It's so much. I live in Jacksonville. It ain't much different, man. It's crazy, isn't it? This idea of delayed gratification. Our parents and grandparents worked a lifetime to achieve and accomplish and, and have what we want now. How many of you know... Working and waiting is where characters developed. Are we, the question is this, are we willing to work? Come on, somebody. The question is, are we willing to wait? No. <laughs> James says this, let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature, that you may be complete, not lacking anything. God is good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation in, in, or turning. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. He's good, but it's not enough for us. We want it faster. We want it now. We miss his goodness. The fourth lie is this. I can make it on my own. Can you see how the earth is full of its goodness? But if we don't pick our heads out of the sand and rise above culture or live according to the word of God, we miss his goodness. This last is this, I can make it on my own. I don't need anybody else. The older I get and walk with God, the more I see the value of community. That's why... A, a campus like this, a church like this is so precious because it's about community, friends. Did you know that when the Apostle Paul wrote these letters, these epistles in the New Testament, those were smaller congregations. The, the book of Romans, he wrote, there were probably only five or six churches in Rome that would have about 50 people in them. Did y'all know that? And, and, and so why? It was all about living as an outpost of heaven in community in a culture that's not following God. And so you're healed in culture and community. You're healed in community. You are changed in community. You're safe in community. The scripture says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. What does that mean? That means there's, there's seasons in your life where it's going to be someone else's assignment to come alongside you and walk you through this time. 
There's seasons in your life where your assignment is going to be to walk someone else through a time in their life. That's community. A friend loves at all times, and a brother or sister is born for adversity. In a multitude of counselors, there's what? There's wisdom. I like this scripture in Timothy, and the band, you guys can start coming back up. We're going to close here in a minute. There's a scripture in in, uh, 1 Timothy 5. It says this, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. Do not rebuke an older man, exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. To me, that's a beautiful picture of God's family. I'm not alone. I got little brothers. I got little sisters. I got older people that teach me how to walk with God. Man, it's a safe place. It's a place for me to learn and and to grow. And then as I grow, now I'm stepping into a season of a spiritual father. And I got these younger men, and I'm going to teach them so they don't make the mistakes I made. Come on, somebody. What if all the men saw the younger women as little sisters with all purity? What would it look like? We're changed in community. But we, think, we often think we can make it on our own. There was a, um, to me, this message about the goodness of God, it's about having an eternal perspective. It's about having eyes to see. The earth is full of the goodness of God, but we miss it because we don't have an eternal perspective. We can't see clearly. I was thinking of a, of a story to illustrate this, and I, I had heard um, when I was a kid, I, when I, on the radio, I used to listen to uh, James Dobson, Focus on the Family, someone I would drive around. And, and he, he told a story about uh, Pistol, Pistol Pete Maravich. Come on, anybody heard of Pistol Pete? No, that's okay. A couple people. He was a basketball player at LSU uh, where Shaq went. Did y'all know, uh, well, Shaq used to live in Orlando, didn't he? And, and Pastor Keith lives down the street from Shaq. Y'all know that. They have the same size mansion. <laughs> they don't. Pastor Keith does live near him, but where normal people live. Can I have an amen? He's not a prosperity preacher, so let me just set that, that straight but he does live in Shaq's neighborhood. But anyway, uh, Pistol Pete, he was a great basketball player at LSU. His dad, there's a movie about Pistol Pete. It's a good movie. And his dad trained him to, you know, do all these tricks. And he was just amazing. And he set all these records. Uh, I read his book. I watched the movie. I was an LSU fan. And, and he said um, he was an alcoholic. He went to the NBA and he you know, just became an alcoholic. He about killed himself drinking. And then he, towards the end of his life, he was in his 40s. He was playing a pickup game. Jim Dobson was there and he had a heart attack and he went to the hospital and his 17-year-old son came to visit him. And he said, whatever you do, son, he said, achieve and accomplish. He said, but promise me this one thing. He said, meet your mother and I on the other side promise me one thing don't miss that appointment he said meet your mother and I on the other side and he passed away and I'll never forget that and Jim Dobson said this he said 
At the end of one's life, all that will matter is who you loved, who loved you, and what you did together in the service of the Lord. At the end of one's life, all that's going to matter is who you loved, who loved you, and what you did together in the service. And that doesn't necessarily mean you built your life around a church or you're a church planner. It means, you, it means that you glorified God in how you lived. Amen. It's not about trophies. It's not about achievements. Some of you are new to this church. Maybe you're not as plugged in as you'd like. I just want to encourage you. Uh, you say, what am I supposed to do? Just, just be intentional and make a, take a step towards community. I tell you, in the way our culture works today, you have to be intentional, man. It's a rat race. You young families, young married folks, single folks, if you don't be intentional, it won't happen. But let's all stand together. I want to pray for you. The last lie that we often believe is this. People don't really change. If we believe this lie, we become disillusioned and cynical. The gospel is all about changing the human heart. The scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God can change a heart. That's the power of the gospel. It's not behavior modification. It's not self-improvement. The scripture says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You have been made alive to sit with him in heavenly places. The scripture says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I remember reading that scripture the day I saw 9-11 happen years ago, 2000. I remember that. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We serve a good God. His goodness, the earth is full of the goodness of God. It's passing by. Father, I pray we can see your goodness. Father, I pray right now that if we believe these lies, and we've all, we've all been shaped by these lies in different times in our life, in different areas. Right now, I pray that every lie of the enemy would be broken and, our, and your people could walk in freedom and love and power. God, set us free from these lies that we're just thinking that life is, our expectations is, is that life is supposed to be a certain way. And when it's not, we're frustrated and defeated. Set us free. Just help us to live for you and your kingdom. It's all we have control over, God. We just put you first in every area. Father, if we're bound in performance or achieving and we're just losing our peace, God, bring us freedom that comes with just knowing you as our Father. Father, if we're trying to make it on our own, help us to take a step towards community. If we're restless today and we carry this thing inside that says we have something to prove that we don't measure up, that we're not good enough, Expose that lie, Father, and meet us with your love that says there's nothing that you can do to make the Lord love you anymore. There's nothing you've done to make 
him love you any less. He loves you exactly how you are. He made you in his image exactly how he wanted you to look. Father, if we're believing a lie that's making us a little bit cynical and disillusioned that no one changes, that we can't change, that others can't change, we thank you for the power of the cross. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that regenerates us and makes us new. Come on, I just want to, I just feel led to lead y'all in a prayer. Right now, everybody that's here watching online, maybe you just want to close your eyes, maybe you want to just lift your hands up like this to receive. I'm just going to pray for us. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, we repent from anything in our hearts and lives that's displeasing to you, that's out of order in our lives. We, we turn to the cross. God, we, we just confess with our mouths and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we thank you that you're able to make us a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We thank you that we are born again, blood-bought believers in the Lord Jesus, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against us, Lord, you shall defeat God. God, help our identity to be in you, that we are your sons. We are your daughters. Father, you, O oh Lord, are the lifter of our head. We don't live in shame. We don't live in fear. We don't live in insecurity. We're not bound in pride. We are in this world, but we are not of this world, God. We are children of, of your kingdom, God. We thank you that heaven is going to come to earth and we are going to rule and reign with you forever, Lord Jesus. Thank you for making us new today. God, we just celebrate you today. We celebrate the fathers today, God. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with love and joy and peace and patience. Let all the fruit of your spirit Spirit, flow in our hearts and lives today as we live for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, Danira. Come on up. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you heard today. If you'd like more content like this or you'd like to connect with us, go to celebrationorl.org. We hope you join us next time.